Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of Acts with chapter 5, verses 12 through 42. When God continued to pour out His demonstrations of power through healings, tongues, and other miracles, the Sadducees continued to try to silence the gospel. The apostles were not silenced as they obeyed God rather than men. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he faithfully teaches today's portion of this week's message entitled, Power, Persecution, Progress. Observe also that the apostles did not resist or protest. That could have become an ugly scene if they did. They could have stirred up the crowd, but they didn't. They could have demanded their rights, but they didn't. They could have called for their friends to rally and, and, and picket the Sanhedrin chambers, but they didn't. They remained peaceful, calm, rational, and zealously committed to preaching Christ crucified, risen, ascended, and coming again. So look at verse 27. When they had brought them, they stood them before the council, right in the middle of the circle. The high priest questioned them, saying, We gave you strict orders not to continue teaching in this name, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. What a question. There's no question there. That's just harumph. We're in charge. We don't like you. Be quiet and go away. That's what they wanted to say. And what infuriated them so much you realize they actually, accidentally, gave a supreme compliment to the apostles? You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching. Uh, that, hey, good on us. Praise God. The Holy Spirit is at work. Now, I'm sure there's some hyperbole in there, but hyperbole doesn't make sense unless there's some truth behind it. And it's true that wherever anybody might go in Jerusalem in those days, they would encounter Christians and they would be out in the open in the most visible area in the temple where they met day in and day out. And it's also interesting to notice that even the Sadducees were paying attention to the public preaching. They knew that Peter was right when he said they had put him to death. They knew he was right because, well, they did. So their fulminations were nothing but a tacit recognition that they were actually understanding the message. And that makes it all the worse because they were rejecting with full understanding. Yes, Peter was saying, His blood is on your hands. You put to death the Son of God. So the power poured, the priests persecuted, and the preaching persisted. There's no surprise here. The apostles were undaunted. Their defense, their answer to the 
question that wasn't really a question, was exactly the same as what they had said earlier and why they had returned to preaching even that very morning. Look at verses 29 to 32. But Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you had put to death by hanging him on a cross. You think I'm trying to pin his blood on you? Yeah, because you're guilty. You did that. He is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. God's power poured out The priests persecuted, the preaching persisted, but now a really interesting twist, pragmatism prevailed. Now the right thing for the Sadducees to do was to say, you know, Peter, you're right. We were wrong to reject Jesus and send Him to the cross. What must we do to be saved? But that didn't happen. Instead, look at verse 33, but when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and intended to kill them. Now remember um, back in chapter 2 when Peter preached after the Holy Spirit came, and, and it says that uh, all of those who listened were pierced to the heart, and they said, brethren, what shall we do? And with their hearts pierced by the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, 3,000 of them repented and believed on that day. Well, cut to the quick is very similar to pierced to the heart. But cut to the quick here means this got to them and they wanted to commit murder. We're going to see the same word cut to the quick when we get to chapter 7. And you'll see a fantastic sermon from a man named Stephen, whom we'll meet, Lord willing, next Lord's Day. And there... Uh, cut to the quick, describes their feelings immediately before they murdered Stephen. So, both cut to the quick and pierced to the heart describe internal spiritual responses to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But one is the conviction of sin that leads to faith and justification before God. The other is the anger of man that, as James says, never achieves the righteousness of God. Instead, it bursts out in anger and murder, and justification of self. Now here comes a really interesting passage. An influential voice is going to take control of these proceedings. Chapter 5, verse 34. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, respected by all the people, stood up in the council and gave orders to put the men outside for a short time. Now who is this Gamaliel guy? Well, he's, he's got some clout. He stands up and says, okay, take the prisoners out. We've got to talk here. And they do it. He was a highly influential man. What do we know about him? Well, we know that he was the grandson of a famous rabbi named Hillel. We know that Gamaliel had become the leader of one of the strongest factions of the Pharisees, the other party that always warred with the with the uh, Sadducees. We know that to be a part of the Sanhedrin, 
had to be regarded as someone with much influence, and he did have much influence. You can tell how he took over this meeting. He was persuasive. He was, he was eloquent. Now, something else we know about Gamaliel, and this is interesting, in Acts chapter 22, when the Apostle Paul is giving his testimony, part of his resume is that he was a student of Gamaliel. These things are going to start connecting here more and more as we move along. Now, what Gamaliel says is a case of persuasive human wisdom that carries the day and ends up completely missing the most important point. Verses 35 to 37. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care what you propose to do with these men. Now he's going to give two illustrations. For some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a crowd of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this man, Judas of Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So Gamaliel is saying, guys, hold off. Caution in how we handle the apostles. And he makes his point with these two incidents from their recent history. Thutis was a man who had led some kind of revolt. There's a couple of different Thutises or Thudai, whatever the plural is. Um, the other one gets mentioned by the Jewish historian Josephus. We don't know anything about this Thutis except what is said here. It was almost certainly that he stirred up a rebellion to, against Rome because that was always the bane of the, of, the, uh, of the Jews was being under the thumb of Rome. Uh, all we know about this guy is what Gamaliel says. He rallied 400 men stirred him up, then he was assassinated and his movement died with him. Judas of Galilee, we know a little more about him, he was the founder of the Zealots party. The Zealots were the ones, they're the Pharisees, the Sadducees, there's also the Zealots, they're the ones who were the political activists whose purpose in life was to stir up people to rebel against Rome. He made his splash Notice it says, in the time of the census. That's referring to the same census during when Quirinius was the governor of Syria, that census that brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem for the birth of Jesus. Now, in the case of Judas of Galilee, it was more than a flash in the pan because at least after him, the zealot party got a little bit of traction and continued. But Judas of Galilee also was assassinated and the desired insurrection never happened. So here comes Gamaliel's advice, 38 and 39. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and let them alone, for the, if this plan or action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. Now, here's an interesting situation. You might say, wow, that Gamaliel guy has a great understanding of the sovereignty of God. That's a valid observation. But merely understanding the sovereignty of God isn't enough. You have to also grasp the message 
that God gives us in His Word. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.